Hi, I'm Rena Grobe. And I'm Madhvi Romani. And this is Misinformed, the podcast for lazy but smart people. Every week we'll be discussing a different trend or topic so you can stay informed the easy way. So, Madhvi, what's the topic this week? This week we were supposed to talk about Brazil and the very important elections that are continuing to go on there until the 30th of October. We are trying to source actually some really good guests to help us become very informed about this topic. This week instead we're going to talk about the new film on Netflix called Blonde. It's about Marilyn Monroe. And I saw this movie and first of all it was three hours long and I was kind of bored throughout it. It had very pretty pictures but apart from that I was bored. And then I had some issues with the film itself. I had some big, big issues about the portrayal of abortion and there's this talking fetus in it who is fully sentient which I thought was very damaging and almost like a pro-life propaganda film in the middle of this movie somehow. And then the other thing that I realized was I have never actually watched a Marilyn Monroe movie. I just know her as an icon and I know those famous songs, those famous images and this iconic quality. And then when I came away from this film after three hours, I was like, I still don't understand what it was about her that made her a powerful star that spoke to people. Like what was her star quality? And the movie didn't show any of this. It just showed her as kind of like a pathetic sort of victim. Anyway, I know that you know, Rena a lot about Marilyn because culture is your speciality subject. So I'm really sorry, but I did make you <laughs> sit through this terrible film. But I'm so interested to get your thoughts on the film and also tell us about Marilyn and how the film, you know, I started Googling what's true, what's not and all this kind of stuff. And then I was like, well, I should just ask Rena. So this episode is all about Blonde and we're asking Rena to inform us about Marilyn Monroe. I'm so excited about this. So in true basic white girl fashion, I was obsessed with Marilyn Monroe when I was younger. I was obsessed with Audrey Hepburn and Marilyn Monroe. Why Marilyn Monroe? What was it? I had an obsession with old school cinema. Mm. That's just your personality, right? I can't go... <laughs> Yeah, I can't ask you more about that. Okay, like, cool. I love Cary Grant. To this day, love Cary Grant. He's amazing. The elegance, the class, the style. Yeah, I'm not into any of that. What? No, I just... Old movies. And they're black and white. Like, no. But they're funny. Yeah, no. Have you seen Arsenic and Old Lace? No, I haven't seen any of them. We're watching them. Okay. So yes, I used to be completely obsessed with Marilyn. And Marilyn Monroe... I think is one of the most misrepresented movie stars of all time. One, because I think everyone knows her image, right? Yeah, that's me. Mm -hmm. But you've never seen a movie. No. And I think this is true for a large portion mm -hmm. of people. I'm going to be completely honest. I don't think a lot of her movies are very good. Mm -hmm. I love Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. I love Some Like It Hot. That one you definitely need to see. That's a great movie. Even to this day, Some Like It Hot is amazing. Jack Lemon, Tony Curtis, wonderful movie, iconic. So let me tell you a little bit about Marilyn Monroe, and then I will also go into why I think that she is as luminant and 
relevant today. I think we should start off with Marilyn Monroe's early life. It should be said that we don't know a lot about Marilyn Monroe's early life. What we know is from what she said in interviews a lot later in life. So anything that people speculate about her early life is exactly that. It's speculation. So there's a lot that gets thrown around about how people think that she was sexually abused, she was molested. There is no evidence for that. That is so interesting. When I say early life, I mean childhood. So Marilyn Monroe was born to a single mother, and she did not know who her father was. Her mother had a bunch of mental health issues. I think sometimes it's speculated that she had bipolar disease or she was schizophrenic. She was in and out of mental institutions, which means that Marilyn Monroe, at the time, Norma Jean, was in and out of foster care. She lived in orphanages. She lived with friends. She didn't really have a stable home. And I think that people like to project this image of, oh, you lived in a foster care. Well, that must be abusive. And I think that she does say that it was not a great environment physically or emotionally or mentally, of course. But there is no evidence that she was sexually abused while she was in foster care or while she was living with friends. I was reading her Wikipedia article just to like, you know, to get a basic grasp on things. And it said there, it was like, she was molested during this time. And I was like, I can absolutely find no evidence anywhere that this is true. Mm -hmm. But Wikipedia says it was. There's no evidence for that. So it doesn't have a source in Wikipedia? No, it doesn't have a source in Wikipedia and it doesn't have a source in life. Other than people's imagination. So she is in and out of foster care, orphanages, and all this, and she finally finds some stability with family friends, and then the father gets a job out of state, because this is in California, the the, of the family that she was living with, and they can't take her out of state because of child protection laws in California. So the mother comes up with a plan that she is going to marry their 21-year-old next-door neighbor, This is just before she turns 16, and at age 16, she can marry him. So this would give her autonomy, I guess. It's not really the right word, but it would make her the property of her husband versus the property of a guardian. You mean the mother... Of the foster family, not her mother. Her mother's completely out of the picture at this Mm -hmm. point. So she marries this 21-year-old guy. She's 16 at the time. She moves in with him. They start a life together, yada, yada, yada. I should add, Marilyn Monroe was born... On the 1st of June, 1926. So this is 1942. So her husband gets drafted into the war, and Marilyn Monroe goes to work at a ammunition factory. I keep saying Marilyn Monroe. At this point, she's still Norma Jean. Also, there is a lot of misrepresentation that her name is Norma Jean Baker. Not true. Her name is Norma Jean Mortensen. So Mortensen was the name of one of her mother's husbands, and she took on his name. Her mother was at one point called Baker with her last name because her mother got married quite a lot. Her mother's name was Gladys Pearl Baker. At the time when she was born, this was who her mother was married to, so she took on his name. We actually, through DNA evidence, now know who Marilyn Monroe's real father was. They did DNA samples of his granddaughter and they matched up with Marilyn Monroe. His name is Charles Stanley Gifford. He was an editor who worked at one of the film studios, and her mother had briefly worked there, and she had literally had, like, a very brief affair with him. So the mystery of who her father is, solved. While she's working in the ammunition factory, she is discovered, as you say. And at first, she becomes a pinup model. 
And so they take all these pinup photos of her. The thing is, and this is one of the things that everyone repeats about Marilyn Monroe throughout her entire life, she was incredibly hardworking. She wanted to be a star. Nothing that happened to her happened accidentally. Mm. She was smart. Mm. She knew how to use what she had to get what she wanted. And she wanted to be a star. She wanted to emulate Rita Hayworth and other pinup movie stars of the same era. A lot of people have an opinion about Marilyn Monroe changing her name from Norma Jean Mortensen to Marilyn Monroe. People always say, like, it was her selling out, it was her becoming fake. Really? Yes. Everyone changes their name. Thank you. It's not uncommon. There's always this, like, thing of people like, oh, she sold her authenticity, she became Rubbish. this fake version. Everyone has a stage name, it's a thing. Everyone has a stage yeah. name. Also, Monroe is her mother's maiden name. So maybe she was a feminist. Um, can I say a couple of things? Absolutely. Just, so in the film... One of her main core drivers is basically daddy issues that she never knew who her dad was. And so what they've done in this film is they've made like a man and this needs to be like loved or admired or whatever, her drive. They've attributed it to an absent man and they've made him like the center of her everything which is annoying and also the fact that you said that she was very driven and hardworking and all that kind of stuff we don't see her with much agency and drive and ambition and making things happen it's more like the men around her are sort of pushing her in different directions a little bit and yeah she's working but we don't see that like hard grit of it and i love that she worked in the ammunition factory because also why didn't they include that because women had so much to do with the war effort, and this is always written out. It's so annoying. I love the detail of an ammunition factory and Marilyn Monroe in it, and being discovered while she's working there. It's amazing. Absolutely. And let's just take a couple steps back and talk about what is the source material for the movie Blonde. It is based on a Joyce Carol Oates novel called Blonde as Well, and it is a fictionalized take on the life of Marilyn Monroe. And I think that the word fictionalized is really important here. It is not based on facts. She took the sort of vague story of Marilyn's life and inserted her own ideas of what should happen. So in the novel itself, I haven't read it, but I was reading about it. And it says that she uses, when she talks about her male co-star in the movie Some Like It Hot, she refers to him as C, which people are like, well, that's Tony Curtis. And she refers to someone as RF, which everyone like, well, that's Robert Kennedy. She uses these vague acronyms to sort of describe people, but it's very obvious who they are. A lot of it is made up. So I was reading a review of her book, and they said, When Oates' novel came out, her defense was that, in a work of fiction, she has no particular obligation to facts. In my view, that is not so. The people she named in her novel were real people with real reputations and historical legacies, and such fictional fabrication is unjustifiably cruel. The fact that individuals concerned are dead is no defense. I actually really like Joyce Carol Oates as a writer. She's a very good crime writer. She is a crime writer, though. And crime is concerned with victims and perpetrators. And that's the dynamic of all crime novels. And it's also interesting, Joyce Carol Oates, I think one of her formative experiences was actually maybe her cousin, but definitely a relative of hers, was murdered when she was young. 
and she became a crime writer like it's in some way she's working out this problem of a female victim i guess but she also wrote a really good book inspired by Jeffrey Dahmer. There is also a fictionalized thing on Netflix right now about Dahmer. However, the family of victims of Dahmer have come forward just saying, hey, like, actually, these were real people. And, you know, these are their reputations. And there is, yes, as a writer, I'm like, okay, on one hand, you have artistic license. But on the other hand, when you do do that thing with initials or you're inspired by real events, but you're still kind of like somewhere in between, there is really a responsibility there. And I think we have to start talking about this and acknowledging it. And the artist just cannot do fucking anything. And if they do, that needs to be part of the discussion, part of the polemic of the work, if you know what I mean. Like it needs to be a central, central part of it. You can't just take the stuff and be like this is my version because I think it's a bit easier maybe even in a book that's inspired by true events because it's Joyce Carol Oates and you know that she's writing fiction but when you watch a biopic this reads as a biopic while I was watching I was just googling all this stuff and a lot of people will not be doing that right a lot of people they will come away with this is Marilyn that will be their impression of somebody who actually existed yeah I think making this movie is incredibly irresponsible and harmful because as you said, this is the way our society works. People are going to watch this movie and assume this is true. And it's going to become part of our cultural narrative that this is Marilyn Monroe's life when some of it is straight up lies. So back in that day, the way that it worked is that actors were under contract from a studio and they learned horseback riding, shooting. They took acting lessons, voice coaching, all this stuff with the studio and then made movies with that studio. So it was different. It's like the Disney Club. It's Yes, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like the Disney Club. Yes. That's where that model comes from. Yeah. So she had a couple of contracts with studios and made a movie here or there. It didn't really pan out. Eventually, she did get a big studio contract. And this is where the blonde hair, the name change comes from. I was listening to a podcast about Marilyn Monroe from the BBC. It's called The Rest is History, and we'll link it in our show notes. They say that people tend to regard this moment where she dyes her hair blonde as this sort of Faustian bargain where she like trades in her, I don't know. Innocence. Innocence. And the guy on the podcast says something really fucking hilarious. He goes, you know, right at this moment, there are thousands of women dyeing their hair blonde. You know why? Because they fucking want to. End of. End of. Like... Women would like to be blonde. Done. And I also think that, like, she, you know, she wanted to be like Rita Hayworth. Rita Hayworth is blonde. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, no, she was an ambitious, smart woman who wanted to be a star. And that's what she was doing. It's not that deep, people. Like, calm the fuck down. Anyway. That reminds me of um, Dolly Parton who says she based her entire look on, like, the town sex worker. The blonde hair, the red lipstick, the clothes. Because she thought she looked just really cool. Yeah, and Dolly Parton also is super intelligent and smart because she takes off the wigs and no one recognizes her in public. You know, her husband, he does not like the limelight. She has natural brown hair. She and her husband can go live their lives and no one bothers her because no one recognizes her. So I also think that dyeing your hair blonde or like assuming a different personality can also just be a way to ensure that you can still have a personal life. It's not selling your soul. Marilyn Monroe, she becomes Marilyn Monroe at this point. 
She changes her name. She dyes her hair. We're in the, like, 1950s, 1951. She's making movies. She has a bit of supporting roles. It should be said that while in between trying to, you know, these, like, she had these small contracts with the studios, she also did modeling on the side. And here's something really interesting about Marilyn Monroe's agency. She did a nude photo shoot under the name of Mona Monroe. She was paid like $50 for this. Hugh Hefner bought these much later and printed her nude photos all over Playboy magazine without her consent and made millions off of her image. Mm. What a trash human. Fuck Hugh Hefner. What a disgusting, slimy, icky man. Ugh! I really dislike him. He's such a sleazebag. He's so icky. He's the worst. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway. So, by 1953, her, like, fame is starting to rise. <sighs> the thing about Marilyn Monroe is, is that people tend to play psychoanalysis when it comes to her. People tend to be like, oh, she had this childhood, so this is, must have been what happened. And she must have daddy issues. She must have want emotional stability. And you're like, according to whom? You're making assumptions based on her childhood. None of you are therapists. Sure, she didn't have a father growing up, but what are those ramifications on her? Why are you making these assumptions? You're projecting your idea onto her. I have to say, like, this film... It was directed by a man, which is... We had a lot of feedback from different people, women, who had watched this film. And they were like, oh yeah, I was watching this kind of gauzy images and I didn't quite connect to it. And they stopped watching. You can kind of see this kind of male gaze-ness of it. And that it's directed by a man. And also in terms of emotionality, because yeah, there's one thing is the daddy issues. And the other big, big emotional psychoanalysis kind of reason for all of her troubles that is given is her abortion well there's no evidence that she actually ever had an abortion she did have miscarriages so they show one miscarriage and one abortion i guess but and even when she has an abortion like it's a terrible depiction of one which i have a lot of problems with that's a different conversation i guess but yeah it's like this is a man's idea of a woman's inner life which is totally affected by motherhood on one hand you know her function as a mother and then on the other hand as a daughter i feel like somebody else could have directed this and been like maybe maybe she wanted to be independent and rich and famous and have power like Maybe that was her thing. Who knows? I don't know. But this movie, it really painted her in such a weak feminine... Feminine, I mean, as in like... The weaker sex, as women are also called, you mean? Yeah, and she's, you know, she had this particular voice, but she's always going around calling everyone daddy. It was just so hammered in, and that she wants to have a baby, and she keeps imagining this fully sentient sort of fetus, like, talking to her. It's such a male way of looking at women. I mean, no wonder several women that we talked to or had feedback from on Instagram were like, yeah, no, couldn't connect. This film doesn't speak to me. Yeah. From an article that I was reading where they were interviewing the trash human who directed and wrote this film. This film was written and directed by a man called Andrew Dominic. He is from New Zealand and he is a garbage can. <laughs> But in this Guardian article, they say, Will the upcoming movie spin the same tale? Dominic said the film will be critical of American sacred cows, including the Kennedy, and that there's something in it 
to offend everyone. He says that the movie is what you would want from the NC-17 version of the Marilyn Monroe story. He continues, if the audience doesn't like it, that's the audience's fucking problem. More soberly, he claims that the movie would not have been made without the Me Too movement that tells what it is like to be an unloved girl to go through the Hollywood meat grinder, how childhood trauma shapes an adult who split between public and private self. All right, so let's dig into this for a second. What a human garbage can this man. Fuck you, Dominic, Andrew, Andrew, Dominic, two first names, you're annoying. Exactly. So NC-17 means that no one under the age of 17 is allowed to see it. Because if it's like rated R, if you have an adult with you, you can go see it. If you're from the United States, please explain it to us. Let's unpack what this human garbage can just said. First of all, he said, if you don't like it, it's your fucking problem. What the fuck is this man's problem? You're making a movie about a woman... And you're saying, well, I like it. This is how I want it to be. And if you don't like it, fuck you. Who gave him agency over women's stories? Surely women should be allowed to speak about their own lives, tell our stories. Also, the Me Too movement. So what this film shows is Marilyn was only able, only able to be famous because basically she was raped by a big producer and and that was it. Which, like you're saying, is not true. She was a hard worker. She had talent. She went to Lee Strasberg. She was a trained actor. She did not break down on stage as the movie shows. She retook and retook and retook. And then she knew when she got a scene right, she was a good actress. You are correct. There is no evidence that Marilyn Monroe was ever raped by a producer, which is why this Me Too comment from this human trash can, which is how I'm going to refer to him from now on, is even more infuriating. Because you put a fake rape scene into your movie to make a point about the Me Too movement. It is a man's idea of what it is like to be a woman in Hollywood, right? You're like, cool, yes, shitty things happen in Hollywood, and it should be said that Marilyn Monroe did talk about shit things that happened in Hollywood. She talked about the casting couch and so on and so forth. And one of the big names in Hollywood was later accused of raping women. And he was the head of the studio that she worked for. And this list of like so many women appeared, you know, who potentially could have been victims and her name was on that list. That's it. In the same Guardian article, the author who wrote this article says in over 700 interviews done with people around the time, there is not one shred of evidence that this man raped Marilyn Monroe. That means that Andrew Dominic decided to make a point about the Me Too movement by adding a fake rape scene into this movie. Which is the opposite of everything that Me Too stands for. Number one, because it makes her a victim and takes away all of her agency. He doesn't focus on her as a person, her talent, her drive, her ambition. Even if, yeah, this list of 700 names, maybe it could have been hinted or something else as a kind of side, but this was the main reason why she made anything of herself in, according to this movie, which is why I left going, wait, what was her thing? And then secondly, it's gratuitous. There are many, many movies and books and crime things just showing basically women as victims all the time and this is a big big problem absolutely and also it follows this narrative in hollywood that in order for 
a woman to have any ambition to have, make something of herself, a man has to violate her first. We see this in Game of Thrones, you know? It happens so many times. I'm like, cool, rape is not a plot point. It's like the only function of women is to be victims in a lot of films. And then, you know, the male detective or the men can come and save her or whatever, whatever. But, uh, yeah, what absolutely. A dick, how did this even get made? Netflix. Do better. Seriously. Stop hiring garbage can men. If you want to make a point about the Me Too movement, can you not get a woman to make it? Please. All right. So, just in terms of Marilyn Monroe. There are a couple of things that I want to really, really heavily emphasize about her life. So she was married in total three times. Her husband when she was 16, Joe DiMaggio, the baseball star, and Arthur Miller. I really like Arthur Miller. The movie does actually do one good thing, which is it does show that she was on a level with him and read Chekhov or whatever. Yes. So one of the things that... People will constantly say about Marilyn Monroe is that she has this insane star quality. So when she gets in front of the camera, she knows exactly how to pose, how to work. She radiates. There is an interview with one of the first female photographers. It's talking about how the second she gets in front of the camera, it's like she completely changes. She knows exactly how to pose and you can't help but want to watch her. And I think that's really important because, like I said before... Her movies aren't really watched anymore, and they weren't really that great. The director of one of her first movies, John Hudson, who directed her in her first substantial movie, The Asphalt Jungle, in 1950, as well as her last movie, The Misfits, in 1961, said, People say Hollywood broke her heart, but that is just rubbish. She was so observant and tough-minded. In certain ways, she was shrewd. She went right down into her personal experience for everything, reached down, and pulled something out of herself that was unique. She found things about womankind in herself. So all of the quotes and all of the people who worked with her talk about how great she is. Mm. Shrewd. Like, she understands Hollywood. Mm. She knows how to get what she wants. There are reports that she was shy and, like, a bit awkward Again, people always be like, oh, she was really chaotic on set and she couldn't remember her lines and all of these stuff. And then I'm like, yeah, but who said that? You know, it was these high-powered men. And I'm like, how much do you want to bet that she wasn't really difficult? She just wasn't subservient. They expected a woman to just come in, lie down, do her thing, not have an opinion. But also, actually, all stars do that. They ask for retakes and stuff. And also, it's really, really hard if you've ever been on a set or anything. You're surrounded by a lot of people. You have to move in some way. You have to know where every single person is. You need to know where the wires are, where the sound is, where the cameras are, where to look, how many steps to take when you stop and then turn and then sit. And it's like a choreography. And then you have to act. And then you have to draw people in as well. It's really not easy yeah. And so what if she was chaotic? She's a great actress. Like, let her be chaotic. I don't know. I just feel like we're overly critical of women. If it was a man and she did all the things she did, nobody would label her as difficult. Yeah. Genius, right? He's, a, he's oh, an artiste. He's an artiste. Yes, of course. Oh, right? But no, Marilyn Monroe is difficult. She didn't really like Hollywood. So there's a quote from her 
from when she was a young starlet. She says that when she describes going to Hollywood parties and feeling a little bit ogled at, that she felt disgusted by the card games that men played where they casually risked thousands of dollars. The quote is, when I saw them hand over hundreds and even thousand dollar bills to each other, I felt something bitter in my heart. I remember how much 25 cents and even nickels meant to the people I had known, how happy $10 would make them, how $100 would have changed their whole lives. I remember all the sounds and smells of poverty, the fright in people's eyes when they lost their jobs. And this gets to my absolute favorite piece of information about Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn Monroe was incredibly politically active. Marilyn Monroe was a lefty. She supported Castro. Mm -hmm. She was the founding member of the Hollywood branch of SANE, which is an organization that was founded in response to the nuclear arms race and the Eisenhower's administration's policies on the production and testing of nuclear weapons. This is where, for example, her marriage to Arthur Miller really comes into play because Arthur Miller wrote a play called The Crucible, which is a thinly veiled critique of McCarthyism. McCarthyism was named after General MacArthur in the United States of America, where they basically sought out, interrogated, and arrested anyone they assumed was a communist. And obviously Arthur Miller was part of the intellectual scene in New York, and he had a lot of communist affiliations. He was Jewish. He was never prosecuted under this. So I think that people tend to make kind of like when they talk about her marriage to Arthur Miller, they tend to make a bigger deal about the McCarthy connection than it was because when she married him, the McCarthy period was kind of dying out. So like, yes, it does send a signal to sort of marry someone like this and publicly affiliate yourself with someone like this. But it's not like she was with him while he was on trial, you know, it's a bit different, but she was definitely making a statement. And she left Hollywood to sort of go on like a tour of self-betterment, essentially. So she went to New York, she started studying acting with Lee Strasberg, who Lee Strasberg is a student of Stanislavski, who is like one of the great fathers of modern day theater. He's sort of where method acting comes from. And he had three main disciples, and one of them was Lee Strasberg. And so she studied with Lee Strasberg, she undertook psychoanalysis, she was hanging out with Arthur Miller and his friends, she was, you know, photographed reading Dostoevsky and other intellectual books on set. In fact, she was told by producers at one point to put away her books on set in case they were photographed because she was reading radical books. So Marilyn Monroe's political side is often ignored and shunned to the side. She even ran for local office one time. Cool. Yeah, I mean, she was incredibly smart. She was incredibly politically active. She was leftist-leaning. Like, she bought her first house close to her death. She didn't own property. What an amazing woman. An unbelievably amazing woman. Why is this not the movie that was made? I love this quote that you said about, like, she reached deep into herself and pulled out something unique about her experience because that's a true artist and that's, like, somebody who has a lot of depth and a lot of experience who can do that. And that is star quality. And that kind of answers my question that the movie just didn't. Yeah, absolutely. And also, I think people think that who she was in the movies is who she was as a person, right? Because the character that she plays in the movies is this sort of, like, 
She often plays a gold digger who's kind of like, oh, not very bright. Like she, her character Sugar in Some Like It Hot even has this line where she goes, I'm not very bright. And you're like, yes, but newsflash, girl was acting because that's what an actor does. Mm -hmm. That's not who Marilyn was. She was smart. She knew exactly what she was doing. She was manipulating Hollywood. She was trying to get where she wanted to go. She was ambitious. Tell this story. This is the Marilyn Monroe story. What a damaging, damaging movie for women, for a person that actually existed. And like, yeah, it's kind of unethical to really show her in this terrible light. Yeah. With very pretty pictures, it must be said, but also very male gazy. But also then that's part of the problem, right? Is that like, well, all we think of when we think of Marilyn Monroe is pretty pictures. Mm. So they're just perpetuating this myth of that's all she was, a pretty mm. picture. There's mm. no substance, no person, no personality behind it. Another really cool thing about Marilyn Monroe was that at the time of her death, the like civil rights movement was sort of gaining momentum and she was in support of this. There's the famous story about her and Ella Fitzgerald. Uh, Ella Fitzgerald wasn't allowed to play clubs in New York because it was super racist. And Marilyn Monroe said, if Ella Fitzgerald is allowed to play this club, she will be in the front seat every single night because she knew that she as a star would pull in masses. And she did. And it was a success. So don't tell me that this woman did not understand the power she had. Do not tell me that this woman was a victim. I mean, of course she was a victim to a certain extent, because if you're a woman in the 1950s in Hollywood, in the world, you're going to be a victim. But that's not all she was. But also, like, I feel like it's very male to focus on, oh, she had this miscarriage or this abortion, which didn't even happen, maybe, we don't know this like missed motherhood opportunity but it did not focus at all on her, her and Ella or her and politics or anything it's like what there's also a very important moment in her career where she was making a movie with Frank Sinatra and she realized that he was paid more than she was so she walked off set and refused to come back and they were like fine go and then they realized they needed her so adjusted her salary to meet his you know like equal pay equal pay and why are we focusing on other aspects of her being when she was this amazing, amazing woman? And also fictionalizing stuff when there was actual things and power in her actual story. Yeah. And then I guess the last point that I kind of want to address is I think she does something really interesting as a person during her time because she sort of touches all aspect of American life. So she was married to a baseball player. She was married to an intellectual. She was rumored to have an affair with the president. She was really good friends with Frank Sinatra. And also people rumor that she had an affair with him and thus has this like mafia association. She actually named a dog that Frank Sinatra gave her Moff, like <laughs> after the mafia. So... She sort of spans all aspect of life, right? You've got sports, you've got politics, you've got intellect. She was a sex symbol. You know, she kind of encompasses everything. That's interesting because you see her very much engaged in the world, the way that you're saying it. Like, she was engaged in a lot of things. And in the movie, you just see her, like, in bed by herself and lonely and and disoriented and all this kind of stuff so it's just totally wrong yeah and i think that it also should be said that we don't really have any proof that she had an affair with jfk so there are rumors and 
there's like eyewitnesses stuff, but like we don't have anything substantial to prove this happened. And also in this scene, she's also seen as a victim. It's not like she's not in a position of power here either. She's just not in a position of power anywhere in this movie. It's fucking weird. Yeah, and I think that like from like historical accounts, it is kind of tends to be accepted that she there was something there with JFK. But to the extent of what happened, what was it, we don't know. I mean, her performance of, you know, like, in this incredibly amazing dress, really sultry, singing him happy birthday, like, the sexiest thing you've ever seen in your entire life. Which, like, you can't tell me that she didn't go up on stage and knew exactly what she was doing and how she was harnessing her power. She knows. Mm -hmm. She knows exactly what she's doing. She's smart. So there was likely something there. We don't know anything else. Anything else is speculation. When it comes to her death as well is, we will never know. And anyone who tries to come up with a definitive answer here, it's conspiracy theory. And I think that's another really interesting point as to why she became as famous and as lasting as a cultural icon. So Marilyn Monroe died age 36 of a sleeping pill overdose. There are so many conspiracy theories around the fact that like, the Kennedys had her killed. Other people say she committed suicide. And then again, there's a theory that it was accidental, that she accidentally took too many sleeping pills. We don't know, and we will never know. So the mystery around her death, I think, contributes to her legacy because she's kind of like a martyr. She's, you know, shrouded in mystery forever. And also because she died young. Her career wasn't what it used to be at that point. Like, she wasn't really making a lot of movies. She wasn't making high-quality films. But, you know, she never she never had the chance to fade. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, we don't know how her career, how her life would have gone on. She died at the peak of her career. Yeah. Possibly. Yes. Possibly. So, or possibly she could have gone on to do amazing things as well. I think that's also... Yeah. She yeah. could have, you know, been... The next, you know, biggest political... That would have been amazing. She could have been the president. She could have been the president, yes. Oh. I mean, Reagan did it. Why couldn't Marilyn didn't done it? Oh, can you imagine how great the world would be if Marilyn Monroe had become the president? history. And this is a great film idea. Yeah, instead of Reagan, it's Marilyn Monroe. Mm -hmm. Yes. With her lefty ideas. Yes, absolutely. But Marilyn Monroe was this incredibly ambitious, smart, political woman who knew exactly how to harness her power. Was she lonely? Probably. She's a human. We all get lonely sometimes. But she's also like, I think stars do. Yeah. Was she sad? Probably. Did she drink a little too much and take a little bit too much pills? Yes, but also that was really common at the time in Hollywood. That is not a phenomenon unique to Marilyn Monroe. She was a human and she comes with all of the complexities of what it means to be a human. But the reality is... We don't know that much about her inner and personal life and her early childhood and her feelings. And anyone who claims that they do is telling lies. And I'm looking at you, Andrew Dominic. Thank you so much for giving me that insight. That was exactly what I needed because the film just left me empty. So this brings us on to our three things you can do this week to be a better person. I would say, number one, if you do watch a biopic or see some images of a dead person, like let that not be your only source because there's a real and complex person behind it and 
we might not know everything. For sure, we can fact check things and acknowledge the complexity of the human beings behind these images and films and books. Thing two, I would say take a leaf out of Marilyn Monroe's book. While she was living in Roxbury, Connecticut with Arthur Miller, she was elected as the alternative delegate to the state's Democratic caucus. Why is no one talking about that? You know, she didn't hide her pro-Castro views on Cuba or her support for the, you know, starting to grow civil rights movement. Don't hide your political opinions. And like Marilyn Monroe, get involved in politics on a local level because that's where you can make change. And thing three, I think that maybe it's time that we interrogate all of the women in history, specifically in more modern history, from a female and realistic gaze, not a male gaze. Because I think that this happens way too often, specifically with film stars or women from the 1950s and the 1960s, even, even before and to recent times, that their stories are told by men. And we need to stop this because a lot of these women are a lot smarter. There's a lot more to them than the men who tell their stories want you to believe. Thank you for listening. Until next week, goodbye. If you like the show, please share it with your friends and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also help us by supporting us on Patreon for as little as four euro a month. Visit patreon.com slash misinformed. For links to all our sources and for our personal tips on what to watch and read, subscribe to our weekly newsletter at misinformed.substack.com. You can follow us on Instagram at the underscore miss underscore informed or email us your feedback, requests, or just to say hi, misinformed.podcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you.